Hi, this is John Nelson. This is Jimmy Maurer. Hi, I'm Andre Zanoda, and you're listening to the Dallas Soccer Show. Welcome to the Dallas Soccer Show presented by the Striker Texas. I'm Dustin Nation, and in this episode, we've got a two for a two game week for FC Dallas. They played LAFC in LA and came away with a a loss. Um, you might you might put some adjectives in front of that loss, uh, like pathetic or terrible or whatever your choice is. Uh, but they end the week on Sunday evening, winning against the number one team in the East, the New England Revolution. So. Uh, a little bit of a roller coaster ride for FC Dallas fans, and we're here to break it down for you. Joining me is uh, your favorite ionized gas and mine. It's Nico Mendez. How's it going, Nico? <laughs> Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. I'm, I've been busy, so you know, ionized gas is what I'm working with recently. Really? So for a little, we're going to pull back the curtains just a little bit. Uh, Nico likes to put some sort of pithy phrase as his name in our recording software. Uh, and this week it is ionized gas. I'm assuming that's because, uh, that's what you're working on. Tell it like, can, can you, is there any secrets? Are you taking that ionized gas and weaponizing it? No, definitely not. Are you allowed to tell us? <laughs> I am allowed to tell you, tell you guys, this is, uh, not one of those sensitive bits. No. So I'm just, uh, seeing how, how radiation impacts gas. So when radiation hits a gas molecule, it emits an electron. And then I set up a little fancy detector to make more electrons. So ionized gas. Ionized meaning that gas has a charge. Well, uh, we won't charge anything for this episode. Uh, And so let's go ahead and get started with that LAFC match. Uh, It's one that not a lot of people made it all the way through. Nico, did you make it all the way through? I um, regretfully did not. (laughs) I had to be at the lab (laughs) 7 a.m. then. 7 a.m. the next morning. The game finishing uh, at 1 a.m. I could not do it. <laughs> no, yeah, no. Uh, so you mind reading off uh, or giving us a little bit of a, a recap, just going to get us all, help us all remember that awful, awful game? Yeah, no, uh, a lot of excitement kind of an hour before the game. Justin Che getting his first start with FC Dallas. Uh, but, you know, four minutes in, Carlos Vela, you know, <laughs> the... One of the the hallmark players of the league strikes uh, four minutes in. Um, really nice kind of build-up play, to be honest. Um, and then kind of the first half, it's really back and forth. FC Dallas getting a couple chances, but, you know, LAFC really kind of dominating the middle field of the play. Um, second half, kind of the same story. You get a little tactical adjustment, kind of moving away from the three-man, five-man back line, kind of to more a bit more of a four-man back line. Uh, but... Latif Blessing gets a goal uh, that was initially ruled offsides, but, you know, <laughs> thanks to VAR, uh, that's actually ruled as a onside goal. So LAFC getting that second goal, and that's basically it. Um, LAFC kind of getting a really, a, for them, a much-needed uh, 2-0 win at home. Yeah. I mean, starting out the match, they were only two points ahead of LAFC, or sorry, of FC Dallas. They had nine points, and FC Dallas had seven. And Carlos Vela hadn't even scored yet, uh, so FC Dallas to the rescue for LAFC got uh, got more points for LAFC and got Carlos Vela on the scoreline. I think I think um, let's let's start with the, with that lineup. It, 
we started out with uh, Burgess and Che on on the right hand side together uh, with Pepe and O'Brien up top. Sorry, O'Brien almost did it. Um, so it's 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 a bit of a I don't know. I feel like there there was some untested pairings going on in that match and. I kind of was curious as to what your thoughts are with starting Che and Burgess right next to each other. Sorry. Yeah. T- Tafari. Uh, I'm looking at the, the um, Google, <laughs> the Google roster and they have not updated it for the new last name. So uh, we'll, we'll go back and it's Tafari. Uh, so your thoughts on Tafari and Che. Yeah, um, kind of definitely an untested pairing right there. Um, I mean, if you want to look at it statistically, Justin Che getting his first appearance and start for FC Dallas and and Kosi Tafari getting his second consecutive start for the club. So, um, you know, you can imagine that LAFC was probably going to tack the FC Dallas right side quite a bit, um, which they did. Uh, You know... Che, notably a center back, having played some, has some experience playing uh, right back, right full back, right wing back, however you want to, however you want to call it. Um, <laughs> Right-sided semi D. <laughs> there you go. Um, you know, playing uh, six games for North Texas SC as that right, uh, right full back. And then I want to say two, if I remember correctly, from when I was looking at the Bayern two games that he had, but the majority of his time was playing as a center back. So not necessarily unfamiliar with the position, but he's arguably, you know, a, a pure, pure center back. Um, and then Nkosi himself, he's kind of your defense, defensive first type of player, right? Uh, a, a, a lot of from what I kind of saw from him is he, he was putting a lot of emphasis on the just his defensive responsibilities. And then after that, then if given the opportunity, let me play play a pass forward. Let me carry the ball a little bit more forward. But, um, uh, it just, you know, just from a numbers perspective, it's a, the right side was a little bit inexperienced in comparison to Brisson at within the center. And then Jose Martinez and Ryan Holling said on the uh, left side of the FC Dallas back line. Yeah, it, it was a little bit shaky, uh, to say the least for sure. Um, and, and it's just, I, I'm, I'm baffled especially on the road where Luchi Gonzalez likes to play defensive first and then, and try to like absorb a lot of pressure, especially against a team that can bring the pressure like LAFC. I, I'm, I'm really interested in why he wouldn't have maybe put Ryan Hollingshead over on the right and um, Brennan Nelson to the left. I think we saw that at, at some point in the match or some, something close to that. Um, just, I mean, it's good for Justin Che because he got a, a, de- a debut. And maybe, maybe it was a write-off, a little bit of like, "Hey, if you don't do okay here, it's fine because we don't expect anybody to do well here." <laughs> um, but I want to, I want to fast forward to the second goal that kind of put FC Dallas away. And there's a little bit of controversy, as you alluded to, of the um, the offsides that wasn't an offsides after VAR. Uh, and and Latif Blessing just kind of slotted home un, unopposed in right in front of Jimmy Maurer. Maybe let's talk about what we see there because I don't know whether we saw the same thing. I certainly saw something 
something different than like after I watched it than what I originally thought. I originally thought that it was um, it was Ryan Hollingshead just kind of giving up on the play when when there was I, I didn't see the flag go up the first time, uh, and I thought he just kind of gave up on the play and didn't just let let uh, Latif Blessing come in and and go unabated to Jimmy Maurer and tap the ball home. But looking back after the match, I was actually a little bit more angry uh, watching it because the flag goes up and in my understanding, and while the, while Ryan Hollingshead is looking at the line, the linesman and my understanding is like, once that flag goes up, the play, like the play is dead and it's not reviewable because the player is adjust to the, to that, uh, to that call in the field. Is, is am I wrong there? Oh, that, that's a that's a good one. I'm pretty sure that's somewhere within the rules that I, I just don't have at the top of my head. But, um, y- yeah, the when you're watching it live, you can't really see the linesman uh, linesman kind of raise their flag within the run of play, and it looks like Ryan Holling said as soon as that ball was passed out uh, out to the left side. Um, it looks like he immediately looked to the linesman because he felt like he because he was kind of that last defender, kind of holding that back line. So he kind of yeah. he I guess Hollings had felt like that he held uh, was playing a nice offsides trap. I don't know if that's exactly what they were doing, but I'm just going to call it that. Um, but I mean, credit to credit to LAFC because uh, every every play is reviewable, right? Um, I don't know how they interpret it to, okay, at, at what point do we stop reviewing or, you know, what, what what's the cutoff second? But I mean, credit to LAFC to actually playing out the entire play, because I do feel like the FC Dallas backline probably saw that offsides flag went off. Um, and I, I don't know when the whistle was blown. Um, I mean, credit to LAFC's fans for <laughs> creating Being an atmosphere. Enough, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, um, but uh, I, that's kind of hard because, um, geez, yeah, it, I, I I don't know. I think of it as kind of like baseball, right? You, you you go all the way up until you're if you're the runner, you 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 keep going all the way until you <laughs> up until you're the uh, up to a base, and you call time, and the umpire says time, right? So, um, I mean, credit to LAFC for actually playing out that play because I'm pretty sure that if they had stopped it along with the FC Dallas backline from what it looks like, then you know there wouldn't have been that goal. So. But I just, I, you know, it kind of feels like that ties a little bit into just the whole frustration. I mean, the FC Dallas backline really kind of was taking a beating just from LAFC's counterattacking play. I mean, that that entire play right there was against the run of play. I mean, FC Dallas kind of trying to create some an attacking momentum and lose the ball within the defensive third. And it's just a quick counterattack right through the and middle. right down your throat. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that that it would have changed the outcome a whole lot because FC FC Dallas was outplayed a lot by LAFC. I mean, the fact that it was two nil and only two nil is a big credit to Jimmy Maurer. Uh, if, if that wasn't the second goal, there was going to be another second goal. It's just something about the flag going up and then going back to review it makes me, uneasy and if that's not against if that's not in the rule book i think it should be and we should like we should write a strongly worded email to somebody and send it and try to get that changed because it just doesn't seem right to me 
if I, you know, just kind of doing a quick search, I want to say it's when the ball is ruled out of play. So, I mean, the ball is ruled out of play when it's in the back of the net. <laughs> <laughs> Or it goes out of <laughs> it goes out of the field of play. So you know, uh, a lot of it is just kind of credit to LAFC because you know if they continue playing the play, what's going to hurt them? Okay, we just go back to I where mean, it's offsides. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's also true. If you don't pay attention, if you wait for that whistle and you pay attention to the ball and the play that's going on instead of like looking for that 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 flag and watch, watching over to the sideline, then that play doesn't happen. So. I mean, it's a little bit of frustration all around, I guess. Um, but with that loss, uh, it is yet another away loss in in the the cap of of Luchi Gonzalez. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'm probably going to run them this week on what the exact record for Luchi is on away matches, but it's not great. And I want to. Like I asked him a couple, like it was, I think it was last year, uh, or there's at the end of 2018, you know, I said, Hey, listen, Lucci, you know, the, the great teams can win away. Um, how, like, how, what are you going to do to try to, to, to not lose all the away matches? And, you know, he kind of said, you know, you're right. I don't like it. Um, but I, I haven't seen any any changes really he he comes out and he approaches them completely different and he says he tries to play the same style but the approach is different and maybe the maybe the style is the same as far as like the kind of passing sequences you want to try to to set up and the you know the linking that you're trying to do and the way you play out of the back but the it i don't know it just feels different every time from the way that they play at home uh, and it, yeah, it, it's just frustrating. I'm ready for some, some away wins. They're going to have to get some away wins if they're going to want to try to make a push for the playoffs in the second half of the season. No, definitely. Um, I, I you, before we start talking about just this match, you kind of brought up how different formation Lucci kind of likes that three man, five man backline, whatever you want to call it, uh, on these road games and. You know, you're talking about how it feels like it's every, each of these games there's kind of something different. Um, you know, personally, I, I I'm a little curious as to if the team might feel like the uh, the tactics are possibly just a little bit overcomplicated, right? Um, you know, there feels like there's there's a lot of scenarios where it's like, okay, if the opposing team is shaped this way and we have the ball on this side, we're gonna move it, we're gonna make this play, or if it's this scenario B, we're gonna execute plan z and you know i, I wonder if they, <laughs> i'm not saying that's what the team is doing but they, it, it, there's kind of like this to me this impression they, of like a complex v, Nico? <laughs> this this complex flow chart that they're going through so and you know it kind of yeah and it just doesn't help with the unfortunate scenario with the fc dallas back line so yeah and the 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 rolling personnel mm-hmm. in the back yep line. yep 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 now we'll get to a little bit more of that. There was some even more of that this this match against uh, New England. And you want you want to transition and talk about New England and anything else we're missing? Any any you want to put a, a lid on that LAFC match? No, um, you know uh, my English teacher would be proud <laughs> because you know 
if we're going to contrast, LAFC was a very nice contrast in comparison to the uh, New England game. Yeah, and most most of the time we're seeing that contrast in the same match where we all I think the past three or four episodes has been titled or mentioned the tale of two halves. And this was the tale of two halves of the week <laughs> where one, the first half of, of the week was LAFC and the second half was New England Revolution. Uh, the uh, the Revolution came into town. They were first in the first in the East. Uh, Bruce Arena had had them running, rolling. Matt Turner playing out of his mind uh, this season so far, stopping pretty much anything that goes in front of him. Uh, and. However, they came to Fortress Frisco, and in the 11th minute, Ricardo Pepe kind of picks up the ball and uh, gets in, works his way into the box against one defender. And, and in a situation where we kind of would expect an FC Dallas player just to kind of do something unspectacular, he actually found the back of the net in a clinical strike, put FC Dallas up one to nothing, and you know got the got the got the team rolling. However. In uh, the 33rd minute, Gustavo Boo uh, equalized. There was a, a cross that kind of came in from the, the side, and it looked like Brisson had just completely missed his marker. But what had happened is the ball nicked off of John Nelson's boot and redirected it. And Brisson actually had his man covered really well, but it redirected in like just the exact worst spot for, for FC Dallas, and Boo just was able to, to bower Boo. I understood as boo, boo. Okay, uh, right. I just don't want to. I don't want to like upset Mister Gustavo. Uh, so so boo just is able to to nick it on past right on past uh, Jimmy Maurer. And and there they stayed for a while. The uh, first half ended. Second half began. There was a lot of FC Dallas pressure. It felt like it was FC Dallas, um, you know, really taking it to New England. And in the fifty fourth minute. Ricardo Pepe picks the ball up on the wing again, uh, or, or on the the left wing this time. We're kind of he he goes five hole, nutmegs his defender on the sideline, works the ball into the box, does a fake shot, puts his man the the last defender on his rear end, and then uh, slots home against Matt Turner, who had no chance. And there it stayed till the end of the match, two to one FC Dallas. So it was, you know it. Is this is a very it was a it was a win hello win column, <laughs> so FCL has picked up three points. They're not on the bottom of the, the table anymore. I don't know what we're gonna do with ourselves. So uh, let's. Uh, <laughs> what do you want to start with this match, Nico? Um, I I, I would really say kind of the hallmark and you know the. The, uh, the big takeaway from this game is just the game management and kind of the player's response. Um, even after Gustavo's bow, I, I think it, bow according to the league pronunciation site, uh, <laughs> after after Bo's goal, it it, um, it didn't really feel like FC Dallas was like, all right, it wasn't one of those, ah, crap, here we go again. <laughs> Reference for those uh, meme lords out there. Um, but... <laughs> It, it didn't feel I mean, like one of the. Raise your hand if you're a meme lord. <laughs> it, it, it it didn't feel like one of those um, situations. It kind of felt like FC Dallas is like, hey, okay, we're we're gonna bounce back from this. Um, and that was something I really I asked Lucci after the game was, 
you know, something that kind of really stuck out is how your team was able to manage and kind of control uh, this game, especially after taking the the lead and, you know, um, New England kind of really pressing in that second half. (laughs) I mean, it seemed a little chaotic kind of in those final moments, but FC Dallas did a really good job of, you know, maintaining their own pressure against New England, pressing for that other goal while also kind of really subduing a lot of what uh, of New England's attacks, even though some of them being really threatening and, you know, FC Dallas getting caught out in little awkward positions. But I mean, credit to Lucci and his team for really kind of hunkering down. You know, I, I, I said that in the LAFC game, it seems like that there's playing a little too complex for in, in this game. FC Dallas seemed to play a little bit more simple. It's yeah, hey, this is kind of our, exactly going back to the mm-hmm. basics. Exactly. So the, that for me was the kind of the biggest takeaway. Yeah. And this game also was not without its personnel changes in the FC Dallas defensive line. So they they rolled out in what the league is calling a 4-4-2, but when you watched it it looked more like a kind of like a 4-3-3 where or sorry, a, a 4-2 I don't know what was that. Uh 4-2-1 4-2-3-1. or 4-2-2-2. It's like more like a 4-2-3-1 with with uh Acosta and Quinon in the midfield and Ferreira playing in that number like the 10 spot and Hollings had way more advanced than we're used to Obreon, of course, up there with Pepe. Uh, but back to the back line, we mentioned that, uh, that Tafari was got his first start in, in LAFC. Well, he got an unexpected start against new England revolution as, uh, Jose Martinez picked up a knock, the day before the match, felt it the day of the match, and right before game time, they pulled him and put Tafari in. So, uh, you know, this time though, he was not. He was on the left side of the center back, so so he wasn't right next to Justin Shea and Brisson was there, and you could kind of see throughout the match there there was a lot better. Um, Brisson was just a better influence on Justin Shea because he was he was telling him where he needed to go, and he was. Uh, you know, being assertive and telling, hold on, and, and giving direction to to Justin Che throughout the match, and it really you could see it had a calming and and positive influence on Che throughout the match. Um, one one thing though that I think that the emergence of Justin Che does is it gives Lucci a lot more options for what he can do in the midfield and what he can do in the attacking line with Ryan Hollingshead because prior to this match, the Ryan Hollingshead was, was a, a back. He was either going to be the right back with just uh, John Nelson playing on the left back or left back with um, somebody else playing on the right with, with Justin Che coming in and, and kind of making that spot his own against and, and, really having a positive performance against LAFC, it allows Lucci a little bit more, uh, a little bit more flexibility with, with, with Ryan Hollingshead um, where he's not having to, you know, put him in, into a, a backline spot where he can put him a little bit more advanced and, and trust that without Ryan Hollingshead on the defensive line, that, that they're going to be able to, you know, hold their own and still make their way up the field uh, and connect. 
Yeah, no, you you mentioned that the league had it as a four four two. Um, in you know, I'm actually gonna <laughs> have to agree with it. Um, I know I'm jumping ahead, but you know, North Texas SC has kind of played quite a bit of this four three three four four two four four two style. Um, you know, so I, I actually kind of enjoyed it. Um, an unpopular opinion is I felt like Johnny Nelson did a really good job at the left back spot. Um, you know, I, one of his critiques is, well, he's defensive first player and doesn't get high enough the field. Um, but given the FC Dallas kind of backline struggles, um, I feel like Nelson did a really good job kind of adding some sort of stability to that back line, especially on the left side of the field. And when looking at the average positioning, he complemented Justin Che really well. They held a really nice line. And if you look at the average positioning, it's going to be, uh, it's Johnny Nelson, Brian Acosta, and then Justin Che. Um, so it, at least it's symmetric. It's not lopsided, uh, which kind of helped a lot. And another another interesting thing is Ryan Hollingshead and uh, O'Brien actually pinched in quite a bit they're actually more interior than your fullbacks were uh which i kind of found a little bit interesting which you know allowed both just che and nelson to kind of move up a little bit more uh maybe not as much as you would have seen like with the reggie cannon and ryan hollingshead fullback situation um but you know those teams are different different scenarios but (laughs) i think it played a little bit well into how how successful fc dallas was i think Earlier in the season, they've kind of been overrun in the midfield quite a bit. Um, and kind of having this 4-4-2 style really helps. I mean, you got Pepe and Jesus playing off each other centrally. Now you have Acosta and Faku playing off each other within the midfield. Um, I I really kind of like the the setup. I thought the tactics worked out really well. Things were balanced. Luchi likes to talk a lot about balance. Right, there you go. Our Luchism for the episode. <laughs> um it, I, I felt like it was a lot. Just really the only, I guess, interesting thing aside from just the winger positioning was uh, Faku actually played higher than Acosta in this game than he did in the LAFC game, which I found a little bit interesting. But um, otherwise, I you know I think Facundo's doing a really good job, actually. I think he's still kind of getting acclimated to the whole madness of what the FC Dallas midfield is. But defensively, he's doing pretty well. Yeah, it looked like... In this match, Lucci basically said, hey, Brian Acosta, Mr. Brian Acosta, you're going to make sure that Gil doesn't cause havoc here. Uh, or heal, sorry, heal. <laughs> almost almost slipped into my uh, Oklahoma in there. Uh, Gil? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, uh, th- that pair played really well. You could, you could see that they were complimenting each other well as far as who is going to cover when, who's going to fall back, who's going to push forward, who's going to um, cover the passing lanes through through the middle. Um, I was pleasantly not surprised, but it's just good to see to see those two playing well together because that's really that base is that is, they call it the spine, right? the the spine of the team and if you if that spine like through the the center backs and then the center defensive mid and then you know all the way up to whoever is playing kind of in that center center attacking role um if you can keep that spine in in playing well and being solid then the team's going to have a better chance 
of actually not of having less to really less to worry about and more more freedom to to create on the outsides and going through the middle and through that spine no definitely for sure it's uh, you're saying the the spine the you know the spine didn't have scoliosis this time it actually looks like a line <laughs> there you go <laughs> it's it's pretty stable it's balanced <laughs> but yeah no i i thought the the kind of the just the tactics of this game were or spot on so i mean credit to luchi gonzalez he, you know getting team of the week his fifth fifth one i believe um so mm. definitely definitely well earned from luchi gonzalez on his part it's I, the biggest takeaway is just how they managed the game and they didn't get overrun in the midfield. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking back through some of the stuff and I think you're right about the four, four, two. It's just that Hollingshead was just so advanced so much of the time. I just thought he was playing a winger um, as a winger. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that having him up there actually is a pretty good, uh, you know, balance ding 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 to to having somebody speedy on the on the other side um now if we could just get obreon to stop falling down all the time um i think up, up in the press box we were having a little if there was alcohol we would be having a drinking game over we were doing pepsi shots <laughs> um every time <laughs> every time obreon fell down whoop shot <laughs> um it's the, the guy like and there, there was a penalty shout at one point where he kind of got tangled up and shoved down inside the box on a breakaway. But, you know, I feel like if he wasn't already falling down every time he got touched, he might actually have had a little bit more of a, a case to make. But at, at that point, the the ref was on to him. He was on to everybody on FC Dallas, uh, is including the bench. I think Felipe got a, Felipe got a, a yellow card. We thought it was was Jesus getting a yellow card for yelling at the fourth official. But in actuality, it was uh, Felipe who was actually yelling at the fourth official. So, but yet they weren't calling much against New Orleans, New Orleans, New England. Um, <laughs> you know, some king cake sounds good right about now. Anyways, I yeah. digress. <laughs> um, no. Okay. Now I'm hungry. No, 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 no. I, I think <laughs> you're right. I, you know, for for my liking, I felt like um, the referee kind of stopped, had a, a maybe a little too much influence within the game. Um, but yeah, kind of going back to that Obreon thing. That's I, a very I, polite I, way to put that. You go. <laughs> you're, you're, such I, a, I, you're such a nice young man. <laughs> I, I think um, the Obreon situation, I think that one could have kind of gone either way. But I'm afraid that from an FC Dallas perspective, I'm afraid that he might be starting to build a reputation within the league as a player that might oh, go down 100%. a little bit too e- too easily or may- make a make a bit a bit of noise. So I, make you know, a from, meal of the situation <laughs> from a from a management perspective. I kind of hope that you know that might be something Obreon or the club might want to work on a little bit with him. You know, nip it in the bud, as they say. But um, as they say. Now they also say that Pepe and Jesus Ferreira had a good outing that match. It was kind of like the the Jesus. They say it the the, the proverbial they, uh, and meaning me. Uh, that match felt like the beginning of a really good thing 
between Pepe and Jesus. Jesus came in. He played. He played either off striker or, or like the a ten role, and it, depending upon which type part of the game you watched. And what I took away from from that from this match was just how much more confidence he had in this match than he had in any other any of the seasons prior. And I'm I know he played in a similar role against LAFC, and I'm trying to remember. I, it didn't seem like he was that um, impactful in that match, but in this match he had confidence and he had swag, swagger, swag. What do the kids call it these days? Ice in their veins. That's the whole, you know, he had ice in his veins. He had, <laughs> he had the, the syringe pointed at his elbow uh, or whatever it is that Paxton does. <laughs> I think I'm dating my, I'm, I'm making myself seem really old here, Nico. Uh, but <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it I really hope that that this was, you know, a coming out party for a um a really dynamic duo that could could start something um really great for the rest of the season. Oh, definitely. Um you know, I also kind of feel like part of it is just uh the the crowd was amazing. I mean, hearing it in the broadcast, that was absolutely amazing. It, El Matador and the Dallas Beer Guardians did a great job creating that amazing atmosphere. It yeah, seems if like you're they listening also... and you're in those props to y'all. y'all no, definitely mass, massive props to y'all. And the, the, it was really cool to see kind of some of the uh, MLS Next players also getting involved. So it, that's I think that's something, you know, that's a positive start that, you know, <laughs> you can build a really nice culture and fan base around that. I think the... Uh, organization should build off of it it seemed like those those that younger younger age group really really got into it and you know that that's how you grow a fan base you won't always get the next generation going so massive props to el matador and um dallas beer gardens for doing that but yeah dustin like you were saying it it seems like this is a really nice uh thing for the club to build off of um just kind of the unfortunate thing though is i think the next I'm going to say they've got next 11 out of 13 or 11 out of 16 next games are on the road. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is not good if your name so, rhymes with Hoochie Gonzalez. So, you know, that's the contrarian on the pod. <laughs> little, little, maybe we might, might have some reserved, <laughs> reserved uh, You're excitement. telling me to tap the brakes just to scotch is what I'm uh, Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> uh, listen, I need something to get excited about. Anything. Give me something to get excited <laughs> All right. Well, well, let's um, let's wrap it up for FC Dallas, and let's turn our attention to the opposite end of the country, or of that that uh, New England FC Dallas matchup, where the day prior to FC Dallas's match, the North Texas SC traveled up to New England to play New England Revolution two. And that brings us to the portion of the show that we like to call Nico's NTSC 92 second check-in. We're going to get our clock started. I, I have uh, I have a clock ready to go. When I say go, Nico has 92 seconds to fill us in on everything that we need to know about the North Texas SC match. All right, are you ready, Nico? I am ready. You are ready. All right. Three, two, one, go. Yeah, so North Texas SC <laughs> traveled up to Foxborough. <laughs> um, they didn't find Tom Brady, so uh, but they were playing, you know, their MLS their MLS counterparts uh, second team. 
Uh, you know, with FC Dallas, we've said it's Tale of Two Halves, and that was definitely a, another game that was Tale of Two Halves for North Texas SC. First half, really slow. North Texas kind of really emphasizing on playing a bit more defensive sound game with Rio Ramirez and Derek Waldick kind of holding this center defensive midfield position. Both players, might I add, did a really good job of forcing New England to play out wide. New England a bit more patient on their buildup and their attack. Um, but, you know, North Texas trying to push some energy into the game. Uh, then come the second half, it's just eight minutes of where it just all went right for New England. Uh, goal, Two goals and a penalty. Uh, it, you know, it just made it really hard for North Texas to kind of come back. And that's when you see a, just a little bit of the desperation and kind of frustration from the players. If, hey, that, that first half was something really positive for them that they built off of. And, you know, it kind of fell apart within a really short span. So really difficult game for, for North Texas kind of coming back from this international break that they had. But um, yeah, no, they'll head out. Head out and play uh, the Richmond Kickers next. Bing, bing, bing. <laughs> Just under the whistle. Uh, I had some music planned and I thought I was playing it, but I'll pull back the curtain again and I pressed the wrong button and you did not get to hear the music. So I want to add it in post. <laughs> and it, it is, I found a song in my list of, of, of uh, free songs that is exactly 92 seconds long. And oh, wow. so we're and it kind of sounds like a game show. And so we're going to add that in post and we're going to try to play it every time going forward. So be be ready for that, Nico. Got to work on my game show host talk then. Got <laughs> a little more energy into this. <laughs> there you go. I like it. The show needs more energy. It's a low energy show. Not really. Well, I miss Jonathan. Does. I don't know. I miss Jonathan and Tristan. Yeah, I know. I got a little misty eye just then when you said their names all right well uh we're i'm gonna get misty eyed again because we're t- the show is almost over uh before we go though we're gonna talk about fc dallas's upcoming match on july 4th against a vancouver team that is also struggling to start out the season it is however uh a home match for fc dallas which which is always good for for fc for the team and and for the prospects of coming away with a win uh, and not just getting to see a really cool fireworks show after the match. I think checking the stats here, looking at uh, looking at the the form in the last six matches, Vancouver has five losses and one draw. They have eight total points, which is two worse than FC Dallas. FC Dallas actually looking at the table, they're only three points out of the playoffs still which is really remarkable considering how few games they've, they've, they only have two wins out of the first uh, 10 matches. So, you know, it it sets up for what could be a, a very pivotal match where FC Dallas can get some points and get back into the picture of things and then, and then see where things go. Oh yeah, definitely. Vancouver kind of struggling within their last five games and, you know, same with FC Dallas, but FC Dallas has that win. So momentum, momentum is definitely in their favor. FC Dallas actually, uh, let's see. So they two wins and three draws at home for their last five games. Last time FC Dallas played Vancouver at home was in 2019, which was a two, two draw. Um, I was there. I think I was there too. <laughs> yeah. But I um, my daughter and she was very upset that the people were shouting bad words at the referee. 
I miss that age. I wish I, I wish to be young again, but, um, <laughs> you still are young, <laughs> but, um, yeah, no Fortress Frisco FC Dallas really having the advantage of this really wonderful crowd coming out of this post pandemic <laughs> yeah, side. This, but, um, the 4th of July oh. match is always, always packed. Oh, it is 4th of July. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, well, there you go. I mean, a, a lot of the stars are aligning correctly for FC Dallas in this game. Yeah. Well, it'd be interesting to see how they uh, they roll out and who, whether they stay in a similar shape. And may, I, I fully expect if if Martinez is to is fit again for him to to slot back in to the left center back role. But other than that, like, I wouldn't be upset seeing exactly what we saw against New England again. Definitely. I think, you know, and, and it's, it is all, there's probably, I haven't sat down and analyzed Vancouver uh, to know what things that they're going to try to have to watch out for. But I, again, I wouldn't be upset if they, if they rolled out this, a very similar situation. How about you? For sure. All right. No, he goes, definitely he goes for sure. Board. It's just, <laughs> it's just, you know, for FC Dallas, just keep it simple, right? There you go. Don't need to complicate it. Don't play down to your opponent. Just. Go out, play your game plan. Um, you know, Vancouver is always a difficult team. Uh, really good kind of going against the run of play. So not a team to take lightly. You know, both team, both sides struggling. Vancouver now at the bottom of the West, but definitely not a team to take lightly. For sure. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. We enjoyed talking about about FC Dallas. I actually got to talk about a win for a change, which is super exciting and, and energizing to, to us for sure. You can find us online at dallassoccershow.com or thestrikertexas.com or also on Twitter as at Dallas Soccer Show. Nico, have a great rest of the week, sir. Happy 4th of July. You as well. Thank you. Much appreciated. Happy 4th of July to the pod listener. And pod listeners... Thank you very much for listening. We said H-O-O-P-A.